Yeah. Okay, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Wassalatu Wassalamu Ala Sayyidina Muhammad, Sayyid Al-Awaleen Wa Al-Akhirin Wa Ala Alihi Wa Sahbatihi Ajma'een. Rabbishrahi Sadri Wa Sirli Amri Wa Ahlu Uqadatan Min Lisaani Yafqahu Qawli. We praise Allah, we send peace and blessings upon our beloved messenger Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Upon his family, his companions and those who follow them to the end of time. To all of the new students who are coming. Uh, to NYU, alhamdulillah, for the first year, we want to welcome you, inshallah, to uh, our weekly, one of our weekly halaqas, we have like three a week, myself, Sheikh uh, Fayaz, and uh, Imam Khalid, and all of them also are on Facebook Live, inshallah, as you can see, the struggle is real, um, to make things happen. So we want to welcome you, inshallah, and after the halaqa for students, we'll be going to get cupcakes, um, inshallah ta'ala. For those of you who are not students, you're more than welcome to join us, inshallah. But you have to get like, you know, like myself, maybe the whole wheat version, <laughs> gluten-free cupcake, inshallah. Also want to welcome our married couple, alhamdulillah. Barakallahu lakuma wa barakallahu alaykuma wa jama'a baynakuma fil khayr. For those of you who maybe follow me on Instagram, you saw the Central Park Wedding, mashallah, that was the, oh. yeah, <laughs> gave, gave the brothers hope, man. <laughs> but it was really beautiful, alhamdulillah, uh, and it was a wonderful day. The Eid wedding, they haven't made it back yet, no one knows where they are. <laughs> I think they went to Chicago, actually. But alhamdulillah, so it's great to have a lot of people back. And we are going through Surah Yaseen. Inshallah, we're going to finish Surah Yaseen in a few weeks. And then we're going to start another text, um, probably in September, called Aqidat al-Awam, uh, which is a poem written by Sheikh Ahmed Marzuki al-Mariki, which, uh, again, like last year, goes over kind of the foundations of Islamic theology, but like at a little bit of a different, more in-depth level than we did a year ago with... Um, the book of Sheikh Ahmad Dardir. So alhamdulillah, we are now uh, at verse number 13 uh, in Surah Yasin. We explained this a few times, so this definitely will be the last time we go over this page. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan rajeem. Wadriba lahum mathalan ashab al-qaryati idh jaa'aha al-mursalun. The word darb um, actually in its literal meaning means to shake something or to make something uh, uncomfortable or to make it... Um, like move, il we say al-barq, like the lightning, like il it's moved, the lightning moves when it shoots, right? The idea is something that moves quickly, something that moves to grab your attention. So you can think about how like lightning grabs people's attention. So here it's a metaphor for teaching. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to Sayyidina Muhammad, idrib lahum, like set forth for them Something. Another word of darb is ij'al, make. Yadribuna lahu, mithala. Allah says, yadribuna yani yaj'aluna lahu, which means to make. But hidden in all of these different meanings of this word is the idea of grabbing someone's attention, making sure that they're paying attention, or doing something that will cause them to pay attention. So that tells us something about 
the brothers and sisters engaged in content um, production in the Muslim community, people who are engaged in da'wah online, like you're seeing a lot of young people, mashallah, doing some really, really amazing things, whether it's through like video, whether it's through the arts, whether it's through any type of expression, poetry, you're seeing people are utilizing their talents. And there's a difference between a self-serving act, a self-aggrandizing act, which is done just to remind me how awesome I am, and like really doing something that's going to help people and try to bring their attention to something. So like I would think of like Banksy, you know, like the work he does, like if you think about it, it's at a level now where everyone, like you have people doing fake ones. <laughs> I mean like where his impact is such that it could be like the smallest drawing and like it goes crazy online. And there's always like a very powerful message uh, in what he's portraying. So you can think now that Sayyidina Muhammad alayhi salatu salam, if you look at the early days of da'wah, the first is Asafa, that's like the CNN of his time. That's the place where media, that's where the place where um, information is shared. So we can make qiyas on that analogy and say anything which helps us reach people in a way that doesn't compromise our values is something that we should be utilizing. And I remember, subhanAllah, Rabbana yani yahfadna min al-jahl. May Allah protect us from ignorance, because ignorance, I used to have a friend, he was Turkish and Azhar, my classmate. His name is Ayatollah. MashaAllah. Huwa ayaman ayatillah. SubhanAllah. He used to say to me like, Admul ma'rifah yufiru shidda. Like not knowing something always makes people scared, always makes people like assume the worst. So when you think about our community's attitude sometimes towards art. Think about our community's attitude sometimes towards means of expression. It's a very myopic, simplistic attitude which is rooted in strategy. Now, Rasul Sallallahu is teaching us asbab, like to take all the necessary efforts to try to like heal humanity. So I remember, subhanAllah, when I uh, was a Muslim early on and there was a brother who came to the mosque and he wanted to give a speech. So I was the uh, apprentice imam in that community. So I said to him, I had just led the prayer. So I was like, you know, sir, I think you should use the microphone because like it's a lot of people and then people can't hear you. So he was like, yeah. So he took the microphone and then he was like, no, the process I'm didn't use microphones. So I was like thinking, like, subhanAllah, like, this is insane, man. But there's people who like in the community and we can never rid ourselves of people that no one's disposable, no one's irredeemable. But people need to be taught, man. So here Allah is saying, وَضْرِبَلَهُمْ Express it in a way that's going to move them. Express it in a way that's going to be relatable. So Allah says, وَضْرِبَ لَهُمْ مَثَلًا And la, the, the word lam and lahum, lam always means like a benefit. 
or the right of something. So alhamdulillahi, like that lamb, lillahi is like it's Allah's right that you praise him. But here, when it's in this context, it means for their benefit. So idrib lifaidatihim mathala. So like set forth for them, teach them in a way where there's a mathal. We talked about the meaning of mathal employs the idea of intersectionality, man. And what that means is that people are able to find commonality between what you're saying to them and in their own lives. They're able to find those intersections. So we learn a lot just from a few words, man. Number one, it should be communicated in a way that's effective. One of the best ways for something to be effective is that it can be evaluated. So oftentimes MSAs will, sorry, will have like amazing events, but do we actually evaluate those events? Like that tells you, a great artist, when they finish something, they're able to step back and say, yeah, maybe, maybe not. We tend not to like evaluation because evaluation uh, reveals sometimes not only our successes, but reveals our what? Our challenges, things we can improve in. The second thing that we learn from the verse is like we should be thinking about how can we be valuable to people around us in a way that doesn't compromise who we are. But sincerely, and we'll talk about this later on, like brings benefit to people. What's our value prop to the communities that we live in? And it can't, as we'll talk about later, every prophet couples their message with a message of social justice, some kind of social concern. So not only were they telling people, Allah, which is the foundation, like worship Allah, but then it's like, you know, Sayyidina Shu'aib, right? Uh, don't like trick people with the scales. It's like economic justice, <coughs> ethical justice, moral justice. The idea of musawa, don't like have racism, so on and so forth. Every prophet, especially in the seventh chapter, you'll find lessons there. So what dribalahum, educate them in a way that, that like shakes them. Doesn't mean like freak them out, but like it's effective. Allah says in the Quran, like reach them. Make effort in a way that's gonna bring benefit. And we talked about the idea in Islam, Islam's critical theory for its attitude towards engagement is guarding and protecting two things. This is constant in the seerah and constant in the Qur'an. al-mafasid wal-masalih. It's always looking after protecting people from what harms them and bringing them closer to what benefits them. Like always, this is the constant in Islam's, like the ethos of Islam, the ethos of Sharia. Prophet says, la wa la dirar, like no harm in Islam. Khayru nas man nas. The best person is the one who brings benefit to people. And sometimes we find the Prophet ﷺ will negotiate al-mafasid wal-masalih, harms and benefits, in ways that are very profound. Like, for example, alcohol. Yes, anil khamri wal They ask you about alcohol and gambling. Qul ithmun kabir. There's a qira'a. Qul ithmun kathir and kabir. There's two qira'a. Say in them is like a great, great, great sin. And a benefit. So there's a lot of harm and a little benefit. Here we learn something about Islam. But the harm is greater than the benefit. So 
if we're going to ask ourselves, like, why is there tahrim? Why is it forbidden? When there's like some benefit, although this article came out a few days ago, the idea is that the harm is greater than what? So, how do you explain then the guy who urinates in the Prophet's mosque and the Prophet doesn't stop him? Imam al-Bukhari, in Sahih al-Bukhari, his chapter is the, the, uh, the, the occurrence when someone shows the aura in the masjid. Like, this is how bad the situation got, right? And Sayyidina Anas says, فَزَجَرُوهُ nas." You know, people started to like, intimidate this person for walking into the Prophet's mosque alayhi salatu salam and using the restroom. And the Prophet said, Da'u, leave him alone. Why? This is in Medina. Why didn't the Prophet order them like, tackle him, stop him? Why would he let the guy finish? What's the Prophet like looking after now? Benefit and harm. What would have happened to that guy if they had like physically assaulted him? It's just a question. Hmm? He's not going to come back. Like he may leave Islam. What if he's got deep tribal connections that run all the way up through the Queens Bridge, back around, into Brooklyn through Brownsville, up to Bay Ridge? All the way to Sheepheads Bay. Dude got connections. So he's going to go to all of his community and be like, Man, Muslims are mean, they're harsh. Because for him, it's not that, that, that social norm is not something that's unacceptable. He doesn't know yet. He's emergent in his religious literacy. So obviously the harm of him leaving, the harm of him pushing out of Islam. So now when I see someone come into a quote-unquote sacred space or a mosque, and they may not look like me, they may not act like me, how do I treat them? Do I have that same attitude? Or am I just like trying to get the ruling across as fast as possible without taking into account the nuance of the situation. So mara'at al-mafasid wal-musalih demands nuance and temperance. It demands an engagement of people. Prophethood should be synonymous with a deep engagement. Not a simplistic remedy. And then the last thing, mathala. You know, you've got to be able to find something common to those people. I've got to be able to find something common to them. So if I'm just successfully, you know, out of context, then what's the purpose? And we've all been in situations where we maybe have heard things. We're just like, this person just does not get it, man. I hope it wasn't on a Tuesday or Thursday night here. But it happens. <laughs> And, and, and that's why Imam al-Razi says, Meaning, give them example that will remind them of who you are. We learn something else. The Prophet is so humble, he doesn't go to them and say, You know who I am? I'm the Messenger of Allah, boy. You better wake up. I'm Sayyidina Muhammad. The Prophet is always chided by Allah and pushed by Allah to talk about who he is. I'm just like you. But here we learn something. The humility of the public servant. The lack of looking for accolades. Like don't do it for yourself, man. 
Be patient for God. This work is for God, not you. So something powerful in these few verses. That's why we keep going back to them. Educating people in a way that's effective and can be evaluated. Looking after the benefits of people. And that doesn't mean to always speak to what makes them happy. Because that's not honesty. Number three is finding that commonality. And number four is humility. Now, the rest of the, the story, we've gone over it a few times, basically is saying to the Quraysh, look, there were some people, messengers came to them, they rejected those messengers, and they're doomed. Now you have a messenger, Sayyidina Muhammad wasallam. he has been sent to you. You have an opportunity. Either you accept or you reject. Here's my question. And I want you guys to break up in groups and talk about this before we pray. If you had to think of a parable that would best fit the state of America now, what would it be? No, no, no. You've got to come up with your own. Don't give me a qarun. Give me your own, man. Like, it's got to be from you. So if I was going to set forth, say, I would say, you know, there was this race of people, right? And they thought they were superior. And because they thought they were superior, they treated people who didn't look like them like trash. And they ran over them, and they created this construction of supremacy to the point that it led to like subtle shirk. And then in the name of their God, or in the name of their God's son, they basically crapped on the whole culture and destroyed the country. Well, antum taqilun. I mean, and then you can bring it home. Point is, if you were to think about some kind of lesson, right? Tonight we're going to do some art, right? Some kind of parable that you could apply to certain components of this country, whether it's like hyper-incarceration, whether it's a lack of antitrust laws, whether it's deregulation, whether it's the destruction of the middle class, whether it's white supremacy, like I just did, whatever whether it's any type of struggle that you see. I'm going to give you like five minutes. You introduce yourself. Hey, what's up? My name's Fulan, 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 Fulan. Cool. Now we know each other. Blam. Let's think about con constructing what would be the object, what would we use, what would be our concern in this society now that we would want to address. So you're going to have to give me a long story because I know we have time. But what would you use something that's happening now in the society as the backdrop of that parable. So it could be like patriarchy, it could be racism, hyper-incarceration, social stratification, whatever. But that's what the prophet has to do here. He has to reach them in a way that shows he can find commonality with them. That's hard to do if you don't know people. It's very hard to pull off if I'm not aware of who I'm talking to. So we're going to take about five minutes, then we'll break for salah. And in that five minutes, you can introduce yourselves. Alhamdulillah, you to know each other, man, it's important. And then say, hey, here's, it doesn't have to be one, just share, like, hey, this is what I think, like, this is what's important to me right now in my space. Immigration. Every prophet was basically an immigrant at one time. Those are things that we should be aware of. What's going on here and now, right? So we'll take a few minutes, get together, inshallah, and we'll pick it up after Salat al-Maghrib, inshallah.